Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Should we start? Yeah, yeah, let's start. Okay. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is The Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today we continue our Westlands 101 series with a look at the role of Sadine in The Wheel of Time. We've spoken quite a bit in past episodes about the use of Sadar as well as the women who channel it, and now we feel like it's time to give some of our focus to the male half of the true stores, along with the consequences and condemnation that followed the men who had the ability to wield its awesome power. So we broke up this episode into the normal two-part format that we usually use, spoiler-free at the beginning and then spoilers after the break. To help find focus over a complex and essential portion of the series, we are breaking it into guiding topics. So the first will be devastation and then redemption. And our intention is to help anyone looking for more information on why men who can channel are associated with terror and destruction to fill in some of those gaps. And we will round out the episode with the trajectory of men who can channel. A nice, simple place to begin would be with a definition of Sadine, but maybe one thing to learn early is if it's Wheel of Time related, things are rarely going to be simple. But this is where our love of a well-organized document comes to our rescue. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Um, we have broken down Sadine into three categories, magic, power, and gender. We acknowledge fully that we no longer live in the same gendered world Jordan wrote in, but we will lean on the pronouns and gender roles he applied in his series and hopefully put a bit of a 21st century spin on it. And I like that. It is. It's. It's. Things are different. It is. It's. I mean, we definitely live in a different world than we did 30 years ago. And yeah. I have to, like, when I was kind of, like, working on that last night, I was like, how would it have possibly affected Jordan to be writing now versus 30 years ago? And I bet things would be way different. <laughs> yeah, very. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they turned out the way that they did. And I mean, in some ways, looking at it, I feel as though Jordan really wanted to put that gender dynamic in there. And I think it's really intentional of him to have it set up the way that it is. Yeah. So I'm glad that we're digging into like the male half because we do I mean New Spring is basically all yeah. Moraine and Aes Sedai and that's mostly what we focused on and now I feel like because Sadine and male channelers are going to play such a big role in the series and especially for people first either reading the books and not really understanding what the big deal is or people who are going to be watching the series I just feel like it's really good to like well, give us an extra yeah, little dig. Even me when I first started I was thinking so what's the big deal if a guy can channel? And everyone's mm-hmm. like, so scary, so scary. And of course, yep. I'm one of the people that blew through the prologue like, <laughs> what is this? So I just kind of skimmed it. If I had been paying closer attention, I'm sure I wouldn't have been so like, well, okay, a guy can channel. So what? But right. Yeah. But it doesn't really 
it doesn't really explain that to you, like early True. in the book. And I think like part of me sometimes wonders if that that prologue doesn't put people off. <laughs> as put often. me off. <laughs> yeah, like if it doesn't put people off it as often as it pulls people in. Yeah. Because it does set up like this immense mystery, mm-hmm. but then you jump to an entirely different time got, period. Yeah, I got halfway through the prologue and I put the book down and I almost didn't pick it back up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like it. I like the mystery that it creates, but I found it really frustrating when I was first reading the series, because I was always like, when are you going to explain that moment? When mm-hmm. do I get to find out about that? Why the fuck was it there in the first place? Yeah. So it really just like, I don't know. And I guess like there's been a new beginning written to Eye of the World. Like they released it with a oh. different beginning. I feel as though. Yeah, that was like um from like Egwene's point of view. And yeah. it was supposed to be, I think, more geared for, like, a young audience. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. I really kind of want to read that other introduction to see how it feels versus the one that, you know, was written originally. Yeah. So, I kind of I kind of want to check that out. But right now, I have, like, the really cool 30th anniversary edition. So, I'm not really looking to buy another Eye of the World. <laughs> How many do you need? You know, All in my house, yeah, currently there's a Kindle version, nope, a Nook version, that the 30th anniversary edition, and then the one that I bought for Aiden, where I was like, and now you have to read it. Ha ha. Love your mom. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, magic power gender. <laughs> magic power gender. <laughs> defining Sadine. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start out? Uh, Go for it. Okay. So first, the magic itself. The Wheel of Time... (laughs) The Wheel of Time companion is sometimes not very helpful. If there are people out there who have found it super helpful, please let me know why you like it, because I sometimes find myself stumped. But the Wheel of Time companion defines Sadine as the male half of the one power it was used by male channelers. (laughs) (laughs) Very thorough. (laughs) I mean, it's certainly simple, Mm -hmm. but I mean, come on now. Anyway, I just, I thought that was really funny because I was like, in our notes, I wrote helpful-ish question mark. But thankfully, the Wiki Wheel of Time page jumps to the rescue again. We use them all the time. Um, And they add to the definition saying it is described as a raging torrent of the power which must be subdued and dominated by a strong-willed channeler in order to be controlled. And in the Age of Legends, like 3,000 years before the series begins, male channelers and female channelers work together. And Yeah, there was, they were much more of a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then they become later on. Um, yeah. I don't really know if I have anything other than that to add to it. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, it's it's funny how things change, you know, from the mm-hmm. age of legends up until where we start out in, well, I mean, the prologue even, mm-hmm. in the Eye of the World. But yeah, I'll go. I guess I can just go ahead and continue here. Yeah. The power of men able to channel Sidene was more often than not greater than the women that were able to channel. So mm-hmm. stronger, you know, 
maybe the more gendered description of like, <laughs> men, you know, like, oh, men's bodies are physically stronger than yeah. women. So maybe that was kind of the reasoning, maybe. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. can say what was going on in Robert Jordan's mind? But Good point. <laughs> yeah. But the age in the age of legends, people who could channel were not revered or feared in the mm-hmm. same way they would be centuries later in the Third Age. So men mm-hmm. who could channel added to their prestige in other ways. Yeah. The dragon, of course, being the highest, most exalted, and infamous. Mm-hmm. And the terror-inspiring male channelers, if not worse than the Forsaken, then close to them. Yeah. So, like, the dragon becomes this incredibly feared individual who could channel and all of the bad things that happened to him that we'll get to a little bit later on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, so when we've talked about women who knew how to channel like are you talking about like wilders when they first realized that maybe they could channel how yeah i think moraine or i don't remember who it was but was like usually they'll wake up after having like a bad fever and then Mm -hmm. they come out of it with this ability to channel Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like what one in is it one in four wilders will die or one in four will survive? I don't remember, but I know that it's, you know, it's a pretty scary event for them where they mm-hmm. are pretty sick. Yeah. And so for like men who can channel, I don't know. Like, I feel like I know what some of the signs are. Like, I think like it's they feel really lucky. And a little reckless. Does that sound right? <laughs> Waking up on top of a barn with no recollection of how you got there. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, other than that, I don't remember if there are any other indications that have been mentioned in the series about how men know they can channel. And I mean, maybe maybe there's something from like the Age of Legends that talks about it, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure maybe one day we'll come across it. And then mm-hmm. when that comes, or if someone listening knows, leave mm-hmm. us a message. Always appreciated. And but then, then like as oh, so go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna change the subject. Do it. Um, just with the next one, what were the pow- what uh, which of the powers are men better at than women and vice versa? Mm-hmm. So I think we we've touched on this before. But women can do things much more intricately. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is kind of funny, but the fact that Robert Jordan called it weaving, like weaves, mm-hmm. it's such a stereotypical female hobby, mm-hmm. weaving yeah. or knitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to make it that women can weave much more intricate weaves than men. It's mm-hmm. just funny to me because of how <laughs> um, it's, like, oddly specific, you know, geared yeah. toward one gender. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of interesting. I hadn't really thought of that before. I always thought, oh, weaving, you know, like, actually weaving something mm-hmm. with, you know, yarn or so- something. But, yeah, it, it's, again, going into this through the lens of gender Mm -hmm. it's funny (laughs) it it is and I mean 
like then to apply it to men as well because don't they also say the same thing for men who can channel it's still weaving but like for them it's this like they have to wrestle with it and wrangle with it to like yeah. get it to do what they want and like mm-hmm. the women are like just surrender control to it and yeah. they're like are Be you the- crazy yeah <laughs> yeah so it's a totally different experience for men channeling versus what women can well, um well when we see i won't say any names but later in the series there is a instance where a man links with a woman and he's able to feel the female half. He's mm-hmm. able to feel Sidar and he likens it to, you know, putting kind of like putting a toe in the water of a stream. And once that yeah. stream grabs a hold of you, mm-hmm. it'll just rip you under. And mm-hmm. only if you completely surrender to it, then it leaves you kind of be so you yep. can't fight it. You just have to completely surrender to it. So it doesn't, you know, pull you under. Mm-hmm. It's a very visual mm-hmm. you know, way of seeing things. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that analogy analogy. I like that as well. And I think again, like later on in the books, it talks about how they're able, like men and women are able to work together and how, even though, because men can't see what women weave and women can't see what men weave. But women can see what other women weave. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to tread too far away from that, but I do I do think like in like the for like the non-spoiler section and for understanding the books better, it's like women cannot detect channeling in a man. Like the Correct. way that they would be able to detect detect channeling in a female Mm -hmm. and even men who can channel cannot always sense the ability of another man able to channel so it's tricky like Mm -hmm. but in a way it lets those men kind of stay hidden too and so I think that that's I don't know I feel as though it plays well later into Mm -hmm. the series well and it explains away why certain characters like you know, like, oh, you're a channeler. I'm a channeler, too. Like, I see you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I mean, so often we have characters who feel like they're in too much danger to be mm-hmm. able to use, as like the women in particular, because another woman close to them will be able to feel them channeling or be able to see their weaves or see the glow of them just Sidar, embracing yeah. Sidar. And men just don't have that same, like, Problem. glimpse and, yeah. yeah, or advantage. Yeah. Like, I feel like it could go either way. Yeah. Um, but there are just distinct differences between what men experience embracing Sadine versus what women experience embracing Sidar. Mm-hmm. I like, how does gender play into this? Only men can channel Sidine. <laughs> that was as far as I got in that note. And then I sat there and I looked at it. And then I added, I feel as though as I should have a lot more to say about this. But at the moment, this is what I've got. <laughs> yeah. I have to wonder if maybe I was just tired or... 
Arthur was running around being Arthur. I don't know. But you added some really great stuff to this. So thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was it's it's all coming back to how I felt when I started Eye of the World. So mm-hmm. I mean, I really I guess something I really appreciated when I first started the series was the fact that the magic system is gender based. And it's only because that's not a common thing in fantasy. I mean, go online and try and look up, you know, gender-based magic systems. There's really nothing else except for the Wheel of Time. And it felt so entirely new to me. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) back to my first take on Eye of the World when, you know, I got I got halfway through that prologue and almost stopped. I think it's just the names, really. I was like, yeah. what is – are these real humans? Are they aliens in space? It just felt yep. really wacky. Mm-hmm. But um, And then after the prologue, it feels a little bit more than just like an homage to Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> much so. so. I wasn't 100% sucked into it right away. But mm-hmm. what, you know, drove me to keep going and reading was that I knew after flipping to the back of the book and looking at this, this little glossary right? that this, you know, weird magic system was coming in and I was really dying to know about, you know, more about how it worked and mm-hmm. how it worked. So I I guess it it took a while, but then once, you know, I got into it, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is really cool and new and interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, then, you know, the description of the magic comes in like a river and it's making someone's senses really strong and their mind mm-hmm. really sharp so they can hear yeah. better and see further. And yep. I thought that was not only are they just have, you know, incredible strength now, but all of their senses senses are kind of awakened. Mm-hmm. And... It's almost kind of comparable to like a drug where Very. where yes. you have people have a hard time letting go of it. Yep. So it's you know, it's it compels them to want to use more and more just because it feels so good. <laughs> right. And it has that same repercussion that a drug has where if you if you take in too much of this power it will kill you yeah and so every it will and it can also burn you out like yeah you can you can pull in so much that you burn out your your mm-hmm. ability to channel and that seems to be one of the places where men and women cross over in a similar way like mm-hmm. that can happen to men it can happen to women it's just really intoxicating yeah and then you know the poor male channelers, they get all of the power, but then all of the sickness, too. Mm-hmm. So the magic they're using is putrid and makes them deteriorate mentally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're hunted down for being dangerous. And it really makes you sympathetic to what mm-hmm. it's like to live in this world if you're a man that can channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting concept that Robert Jordan made and kind of it flips the modern day gender dynamics on its head where Mm -hmm. the women channelers aren't just equals in this world. You know, Mm -hmm. they hold the power. So they do. Yeah. 
And then, of course, the more and more you go through the books, you see more complexities. And I started to really resent some of the of the women that, you know, lord mm-hmm. their power over the men. And yep. it's in the same, you know, way that I would resent someone, you know, treating either sex as inferior. inferior. Mm-hmm. So I'm yep. constantly reassessing characters and their privileges and roles in this world. And it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some very, there are some very complex dynamics. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. That's exactly the word I was looking for mm-hmm. is dynamics. Like, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I, like, after reading what you had put there, <laughs> I wrote, uh, like, I feel as though this also points to how male or female humans have the ability to be utter monsters manipulative deceptive destructive and vile and you can possess these qualities regardless of gender and I feel as though like I have I have this little story from my pal Ashley who graduated uh when I did we both have a history degree we were in senior seminar together she also has her degree in women's studies and we were having this one conversation about something and I said something about how, like, the female involved, I didn't really feel as though she was, like, I felt like she was being kind of manipulated to do the things that she was. And my friend Ashley kind of looked at me and she was like, why? Because she's female? And I had to think about it because I really feel we have this, like, like we kind of hold on to that 19th century Mm. Dickens look at the mother and wife as being the angel of the home and how that kind of translates and, like, divides us between good women and bad women and what that means. Mm -hmm. But we just don't – I mean, I don't think women are – as often violent as men are or that that is their ultimate tool to use but that does not mean that they can't be really terrible yeah yeah and I I kind of like that because we have several characters that when you Masana is a really I was just gonna say Masana (laughs) yeah like Look, I mean, maybe look her up, maybe don't look her up. But yeah, just, wait, maybe wait a little bit until she or or go back to our forsaken spoiler free episode. And yeah, check out Masana if you haven't done it yet. We covered her for you already, spoiler free. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Masana's See, a, always been yeah. thinking of you. We've always been thinking of you. Masana's a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's just awful. Awful, terrible, terrible person. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting thing to like put in there so clearly that it's just like it's not necessarily gender that drives the good and the bad and the gray, if you Mm -hmm. will, in the middle. Like it's both sexes equally. Mm -hmm. So, And I thought it was interesting, too, what you were saying about how we often fall into this Dickens, you know, Mm -hmm. style of how human nature is with the sexes but and maybe this is why some of the women in the wheel of time are so assertive that Mm -hmm. it can kind of that they're they can be less than kind to our male characters yeah definitely see that yeah we don't get many viewpoints from common women within the story so for the most part we're starting out all of our female characters come from a position of privilege 
even Egwene, who is just mm. a little small town girl, her father is what, like the mayor? Yep. So and owns like the only Yeah, big inn. inn. So yeah. even huh. you know, and I hadn't and even Nynaeve, thought about and that. And Nynaeve is the wisdom. So so she has She's got a authority. lot of power. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Because, like, the moment you said that, I was like, yeah, but Nynaeve and Egwene, they came from a village. I hadn't even really thought about yeah, the power crazy. structure they hold in Emmonsfield. I mean, huh. when you compare them to Moiraine, Moiraine is on right. a whole another level. She's royalty. <laughs> so it's totally different. But... They she each could have, have been queen. Yeah, they each have their, you know, their differences, but there is a lot of privilege with these characters, I feel like. And mm-hmm. I think, too, I mean, since we don't get that many viewpoints from just a very common person, I think it wasn't really up until we had read New Spring together that I felt like we kind of got these little interactions with just these mm-hmm. regular people on the road. But mm-hmm. maybe, you know, since we don't get those viewpoints, maybe that's, you know, maybe they're usually delegated to, you know, kitchen work or floor scrubbing. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, they are. <laughs> they're absent. Yeah. They're absent because they're working their asses off. <laughs> <laughs> they're busy. Okay. <laughs> But no, they have shit to do. (laughs) But wouldn't that make sense? Why, Mm -hmm. you know, if you you see, okay, no spoilers, but if you see a woman within these books and they're like, take me to the tower, I want to learn to channel, I -hmm. want this power, I want, you know, I don't want anyone to be able to take advantage of me. And maybe that's why they are so assertive or something, Mm -hmm. but. Hmm. Who knows? You know, regardless of <laughs> – I have to laugh now, too, because I wrote, <laughs> you think you're not going to be scrub- scrubbing floors when you get to the tower, <laughs> LOL. Um, but regardless whether or not Robert Jordan intended it, his world gives one sex a lot of the power and mm-hmm. forces us to take a closer look at the gender inequalities in the books and then, you know, within our own world. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. I agree. And in some ways, like, I almost feel as though what Jordan has written, like, especially in specific cultures where women have a different layer of power that they wouldn't possess here. Like, I don't really, I cannot think of a single society in our world, like our personal world, that has a system set up like Ibudar does. We're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> women are the ultimate aggressor mm-hmm. and like ruler of the things in mm-hmm. Ibudar. But I cannot think of a real world example of something like that. And so I appreciate the fact that he even put something like that in there because well, it is I mean, such a flip. Yeah, like look at the Aiel, like the women mm-hmm. are like, we, the only thing that would make us happy there's nothing in life that would make us happier than to be these trained warriors and yeah I mean it's (laughs) it's cool it's just it's he really you know as as we had put things have changed a lot since Mm -hmm. these books were written but I feel like he did he did come at things in a very progressive way for the time 
-hmm. It's not without its problems, but we're – the further you go into the future, the more you're going to look back behind you and be like, well, that was different, you know? Yeah. It's just things are constantly evolving. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that kind of helped me with looking at this was just being like, we're discussing a fictional world created by another person. And I'm just going to go off of what he has created because in his world, like, sadly, there really doesn't seem to be like a big presence of like any kind of non-binary definitions for people. Mm-hmm. I hope I used that phrase right. I think I did. Yeah, but I I agree. There's that is one thing that is definitely definitely missing and mm-hmm. we know that th- I mean intersex is a real thing. So mm-hmm. they would exist in this world. So I always mm-hmm. I feel like I'm scratching my head like, well, what if someone in this world, what would their channeling capabilities be like? And that makes Mm -hmm. me think like, oh my gosh, like that could be so amazing. Just Mm -hmm. imagine what they would be capable of doing. So it kind of makes you think like, wow, what if, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they have their own superpower. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What a good thought. Oh, I like that a lot. I think that pretty much breaks down Sadine. Are there any other things that like kind of defines it and – gives it shape before we move on to like I think why people I think we're good I mean cool. we, I'm sure we could go forever <laughs> right yeah but. but I don't I mean we have an outline we, we'll stick to the outline so we're moving on to the devastation phase of mm-hmm. our topic um and we've mentioned this several times already how the story starts with the prologue in the eye of the world and we have our first look at this world in a moment of destruction and devastation caused by Luce Theron also known as the dragon he is one of the most powerful male channelers of the world at that time he's also one of the most respected men of the time Mm -hmm. so he has this reputation and like it's confusing when you first read it because you don't know what's going on. But in this moment, he is losing his mind or already has. And yeah, he had already he had already lost his mind and then he's given a few moments of lucidity. Yeah. To say like this is what you did, this is what you caused and then he's like, yep. "No." <laughs> <laughs> destruction 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 so what happened like why did Luce Theron lose his mind and why are all male channelers from this moment on something used to frighten children with like Mm. that that is the thing that I feel like we need to to address next and it has the best name (laughs) the taint the taint. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, I, it wasn't until I said it out loud that I was kind of like <laughs> snickering about it. Like, oh gosh. But, yeah. You can't really say it out loud without being like, uh, okay. <laughs> it's I just, mean, I don't know. It's funny. Like it's. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah. It's like eighth grade humor ridiculous. Yes. That never gets old. No. <laughs> but yeah. And I mean, it, it does describe what has happened. The end of the third age is the breaking of the world. And we haven't really gone into any great depth about, about that. But it is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's the world being tossed all over the place. And this is being caused by men who can channel, who are losing their minds. Um, well, yeah, and it's basically Luce Theron alone did mm-hmm. mostly all the damage himself. But yep, yeah, like he he gathered up a bunch of his fellow male channelers and went off to the boar, where the dark one apparently is kept from entering the world physically. Mm-hmm. But as they were doing that. The dark one like punched back at them and was like, no, you don't. And so now, (laughs) now there is this taint on Sadine for men. So it only happens to the male half of the one power. And it like it's described so often through this series as like, reaching for something through like a slick of slime and just gross disgusting nastiness that sounds terrible Mm -hmm. and there's also if you don't kill yourself through channeling there's also the absolute eventuality that you are going to go insane and will potentially kill a lot of people in the process because even Mm -hmm. men who were weak in the power were still strong enough to do serious damage So they are legit terrifying human beings that you should be afraid of at this point because you know what their trajectory is going to be. You know what's going to happen to them because of this taint on uh, Sadine. Yeah. And like you said, you're eventually, if if you can channel Sadine, you're eventually facing going mad or dying. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the boogeyman, you know? It's like something yeah. that you would say to, like, scare children or mm-hmm. it's almost you, – you just don't even talk about it because it's almost like a bad omen, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's like a curse almost. Yeah. I, I would say that that would be very accurate. And, I mean, that opening with all the damage that we see with Luce Theron at the beginning of Eye of the World. And I don't know if they're going to actually include this segment in the TV show or if they're just going to leave this completely out. But in his insanity, what? <laughs> Did you ever watch Winter Dragon? Huh? No? What's that? Okay, so there was like a pilot that was called the Winter Dragon and it was basically the prologue of Eye of the World. Yeah, Eye of the World. Really? Yeah, and it's, oh my God, it's it's one of the worst things that you'll ever see. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It's awful. If you watch, if you, I mean, if you really honestly want to sit there and watch it, by all means, go for it, but you'll probably hate it after the first five minutes and want to turn it off. And people are like, why is the sun-haired Ileana brown-haired? This is ridiculous. But it's like Billy Zane and I don't know. It's it's not good. Hmm. But I, I think it's funny that they picked the prologue, which in my opinion right? is the most confusing, weird, 
beginnings to a book that I've ever read. Yeah. And I don't know, like out of all of the things, that's what you're going to pick to like draw yeah. people in. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I don't know. I mean, it has, it does have its, its appeal. Like it builds a mystery through destruction mm-hmm. and you know, there's a good guy and a bad guy like immediately right out of the gate that like bad shit can happen and does happen. And so like Luz Theron kills his entire family. He's given this moment to I'm see what he's done. I'm not laughing because you said he killed his entire family. <laughs> <laughs> I am laughing because I cannot stop thinking about how ridiculous this <laughs> this winter dragon is. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. You have not convinced me in the slightest that I should not watch this. I'm going to watch it. Okay. I will probably watch it after we're done recording. So bad. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, I love it. I love it. I want to check it out. I didn't even know that it was something that existed. Um, <laughs> but, like, Dragon Mount is Dragon Mount because lose Theron like in this moment of clarity kills himself and turns the like the the landscape around him into this huge he basically yeah he mountain. basically channels into an atomic bomb you know <laughs> that's really like it's really what it yeah. is he just yeah drew up as much of the strength that he possibly could and burns himself out and destroys everything yep yeah it's badness oh it is worth noting what you say here. It's not surprising that the Red Aja took the most fervent stand against male channelers. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, after seeing, after that, after what happened with Luz Theron, I'm sure they take the never again stance. Really seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, and some sometimes I think about, like, I mean, I kind of hate the Red Aja, just because they all, <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. for people who are Red Aja. I really, really, really am. But there are just very few, in my opinion, like welcoming slash mm-hmm. solid Red Aja characters in the series, which is unfortunate because it is the largest Aja, Aja. of the White Tower. But I can also completely understand where the it's need to prevent yeah. exactly the need to prevent the destruction of the entire landscape of the world all over again. I can see that being pretty damn important. Yeah. So I I get it, but at the same time, there's just there's a lot of cruelty that feels like it goes into some of their methods. So well, they almost you know they almost start out as a villain to the story, kinda. Yeah, they do. I agree. And I feel like I feel maybe that the television show might make that more of a thing. Hmm. But yeah, I I mean I actually after we've talked about them in the past, mm-hmm. I've changed my opinions a lot on things from when we started. But I've come to sympathize with the Red Aja a little bit. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's like it's a dirty job, but someone has to do it, Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, at one point in the story, we have a female character, a channeler who links with a male channeler and Mm -hmm. experiences Sidene. And she describes, describes it as feeling chaos, rage, and death. 
-hmm. Now, can you imagine if that's what you feel every time you grab hold of the source of this magic? Like, wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's very important that this destruction isn't let loose into the world again. But mm-hmm. then again, you know, on the other side, the Red Aja kind of has this cult-like appeal to women that really hate men or dislike yep. men. So mm-hmm. it goes both ways, really. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there was a string of events to bring upon all the problems that we see circling this topic of Sidene, you know. Mm-hmm. If we go back to the beginning, if Luce Theron had maybe joined with the female channelers, it's possible he would have um, succeeded in sealing up the Dark One or, you know, killing the Dark One instead of just sealing mm-hmm. him up. It's possible that yeah. the taint would have never became a thing, but... You know, who's to say how it would have all went? Maybe mm-hmm. it could have been something completely different and even worse. Mm-hmm. But it it certainly isn't Luz Theron's fault because how could he have known, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. No, I think he, you know, I think he pulled the people together that he did thinking that they were going to be saving yeah. the world in a way. And in a way they did because they were able to close the bore up and seal it, but then the taint, like that was a whole new. That was you know, <laughs> yeah, a whole new game. It's almost it's almost like a punishment for them. Yeah, for coming at him. Oh, I think it was a hundred percent a punishment. I think yeah. it was absolutely yeah. that. Yeah, like it wasn't accidental that this happened. It yeah. wasn't accidental. It wasn't like it, it wasn't reflexive. Like at the doctor, <laughs> someone like bangs on your knee. And yeah. You like kick your foot up. It wasn't that. He was like, oh, you're going to fuck with me? I'm going to fuck with your ability to channel. Yeah. How you feeling about that, guy? Yeah. Like that's how I feel about like the dark one kind of. The dark one really is a son of a bitch. <laughs> it, no shit. <laughs> I mean, there are so many reasons to just definitely not mm-hmm. want this guy around. Yeah. Keep him sealed up. Right. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we can't we can't blame Luce Theron. We can't mm-hmm. blame male channelers either for the destruction they bring in the world. It's not something they can control. Mm-mm. I mean, but we can't lock them away either. They're too mm-hmm. powerful. There's nothing you know really that they can do i mm-hmm. i was trying to think like what would be the humane way of dealing with this and mm-hmm. the only thing that i could think of would to be like shielding them but there's mm-hmm. not enough female channelers to make that possible yeah and, and I mean, so often you need like a full circle of like 13 sisters to right. keep one, one man shielded mm-hmm. and if you if you like tie off that shield then they can like pick at it and figure it out yeah. over you know however long it takes them to get there then they've know. just then they've just learned how to get out of um a shield a shield so you yeah. basically taught them a new trick that you know hooray yeah that <laughs> that can go that can have its you know implications too so stilling and gentling is described as one of the most terrible Mm -hmm. things you can do to someone and it's kind of like that whole like question of like body autonomy Mm -hmm. that their use a channeler's use of the power is something so a part of them 
as mm-hmm. who they are that yeah. when you take it away, it's like someone performing like an unwanted like amputation on you. It yep. would be like waking up with no arms and no legs. Like you mm-hmm. you would that would be the most traumatic, crazy thing possible. And so gentling is so, so harsh and so mm-hmm. scary. But at this point, this is really I guess this is the only thing that they've came up with. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not ethical, but Mm-mm. I'm trying to think of an ethical way to <laughs> come about things. But it's really I mean, what do you do? Just build a wall around an ogier setting <laughs> and just like catapult a guy in there like you can't channel anymore. Point of me bringing up the ogier setting like what 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 would you do if Mm-hmm. You've got these guys running around that are going mad and able to destroy a whole village just mm-hmm. on accident, really. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't really do much of anything. It kind of like I kind of have to wonder why just the red with the option of gentling, which would inevitably just lead to the man wanting to die like mm-hmm. why that instead of maybe bringing in the yellow and asking the yellow aja if there are ways to heal the madness and i mean i know that that's something that is said that in the age of legends wasn't able to be done but i mean what what stopped them from doing that and were there yellow aja members that did actually kind of try to focus on actually helping instead of cutting them off from the one power completely like that could have been something too but I really just don't Well, it's almost like a really good analogy of like how we treat mental health you know what I mean Ooh, like yeah. it's Yikes. <laughs> instead of just like okay we're gonna come at this with like a therapeutic approach on how we can mm-hmm. help you instead we're just gonna cut it off you know? Yeah. Ooh. So the Red Aja could have been mental health professionals instead? <laughs> <laughs> the yellow should Me. have been that. The red Ooh, should. Yeah. The red just. <laughs> the red is like, I don't know, the the prison system or something. The, the American. The collection. Pr- yeah. yeah. <laughs> the American prison system. <laughs> they go out and like pull them into unmarked wagons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and off they go mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I shouldn't joke around about that maybe uh, I don't know well I'm just laughing because the red I mean it's it's they really are they, they start out as kind of a villain within mm-hmm. the white tower so it's a perfect anal- analogy I would say they're, I agree with you they're kind of the bad guys but at the mm-hmm. same time there's always that notion to, well, somebody has to do something. Well, maybe they should channel their resources into some, <laughs> some health services better, for these poor yeah, men. Yeah, some better approaches to this. Because, yeah. I mean, like, these men get so poorly treated for something that they have no control over at all. No. And some of them do, like, swear to themselves they're not going to channel and they're not going to hurt anybody around them and 
still like I think one of the stories in the book somewhere is like about how a man who could channel woke up the next morning and every house around him had been flattened except for the one that he was sleeping in. So mm-hmm. he was sleeping. He had no control over what had happened, which makes it extra fucking terrifying yeah. that a man can channel. And it's just so unpredictable. You don't know when your madness is going to hit you are you going to slowly descend into your madness is it going to hit you like a hammer over your head and suddenly boom you're insane like it's just it sounds really awful for pretty much everybody involved because it has to be terrible for the people who experience it and it has to i think in some ways be really awful for the people who have to enforce safety for other people true so it just it's it's badness, sadness all the way through, really. Mm-hmm. It's just truly unfortunate. And I mean, speaking of the Red Aja, we also had the vileness that happened. And we've talked about that. I don't even remember which episode it was that we talked about it, but I'm um, not going to. The vileness we talked about in our new spring wrap-up video. So if that's something oh. that you want to know more about, listen to that episode. But Yeah, because I'm just – I'm not going to get into it. It's a pretty – hefty topic i don't even know if we've covered it completely but we've given we've given it enough time at this point that it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to go forward with this but in a lot of ways the vileness was conducted and gone through the red asha and it's like thousands of men were executed more or less Mm -hmm. like they didn't like they didn't break their three oath vows they just would like whip up the town around them into a mob that would then Mm -hmm. push them out of the city and blah 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 like it was just it was just not good there were a lot of bad things that happened and the red aja was behind it so again sorry red aja you guys were (laughs) kind of put up there for us to hate a little and i apologize for it i feel i feel like the fourth age red aja might be a better be in a better place yeah not to keep plugging ourselves but listen to our first or our fourth age (laughs) episode if you want to know more about that Uh, (laughs) wait are we getting paid (laughs) advertising not enough (laughs) our our own stuff don't mind us while we like plug our own material but don't mind us if we think we're funny and clever and fun to listen to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I mean, to wrap things up a little bit on this first, you know, spoiler-free half, I think most mm-hmm. commonly characters are just hesitant to bring up the topic of male channelers. It's a bad Very omen. Much. Yep. It's, we've covered it in Prophecies of the Dragon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, a lot of this stuff we've talked about, you know, a bit here and there. Mm-hmm. But it's just worth repeating how scary it is for people to align themselves with male channelers. And yeah. we'll cover that more. But I think this is our midpoint. So we'll take a little Woo-hoo! break and then we will come break back day. with the redemption of male channelers. I'm so excited. Yes. It's going to be good. <laughs> so spoilers oh, ahead. Spoiler, spoiler land. Yeah. It's spoiler land. So if you don't want to be spoiled, turn back now. We don't want to spoil you. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it would be in like the showering you with cookies and presents kind of spoiling. Well, yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> but this kind, 
We would like to avoid it as much as possible. Speaking of showering people in cookies and cakes and stuff, (laughs) one of the most recent things on Discord is Josh from the Black Tower. He always has these photos of meat that he's smoking and he did ribs the other day. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. hashtag adopt me. (laughs) And he's like, what am I, the Wheel of Time dad now? And I was like, well, if you're the dad, then Tracy's the mom. And between the two of you, we wouldn't be able to walk anymore. You would just have to, like, roll us (laughs) around. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think Rob has offered to move into my house, like, three or four times. I'm totally fine with it. I mean, we have a really tiny house, but he is welcome welcome. here. Yeah. 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 And I mean... Hopefully we'll be looking at a larger house by the time he comes to visit. Because it'd be really cool if he did. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe we can't have Creator's Castle, but maybe we can still figure out. I think someone said something about them doing the Gathering Madness at some point in Europe one year. Ooh. Like, I, like in person? Yeah. Ooh. Because the Black Tower does it. I think they skip between each one of their places, I guess. Nice. But I don't know if it was just a joke or something, but Rob was like, I'm having it one year. It's like, I'll, be sh- I'll show up like with my sleeping bag. Like, hello. Knock, knock, and, knock. Like, cookies. <laughs> I hear the entry fee is food. I have some. <laughs> yeah. I am down for making more. I come I'm bearing gifts. Exactly. Yeah, I, lo- I love the food direction <laughs> that our little Discord thing takes. I always feel bad, but like... I over like I overcooked and overbaked over the holidays, so now I'm like in like not really like a cleansing mode because that sounds too <laughs> cleansing. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm just speaking a, of cleansing. Like... <laughs> Are you saying you want to talk about Sadine again? Like we're supposed to be talking about? Is that what you're saying, Amber? Maybe. We absolutely should. Yeah. yeah. No, we should because this is. I love the spoiler section. Because, like, this is where it all comes together and you can just talk about anything. Anything and I love, you want. Yeah, I love being able to, like, break things down so that people can understand it better. But I love digging into, like, the little teeny tiny parts, too. So True. this is really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it, this brings us to the redemption of those at Channel mm-hmm. Sidene. And you had put, I think, the idea of redemption or the very least the need to leave a mark, sat with Mm -hmm. Rand fairly early into his decision to accept who he is and what his fate is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Rand really shakes things up with his idea to set up a place for male channelers. Mm -hmm. And the Black Tower shook everyone. It's it's incomprehensible to these people who have been taught Mm -hmm. to fear male channelers their whole life. And it says a lot about Rand who you know, is determined to do this knowing what the mm-hmm. reception would be. This could have thrown yeah. off. I mean, he could have lost his followers for doing this mm-hmm. and everyone that was backing him. Even mm-hmm. Bashir is like, oh, I don't know, buddy. Like mm-hmm. when Mazarum yeah. Taim shows up, Bashir is just about ready to uh, blow a gasket. <laughs> He's yeah. not happy yeah. about it. Yeah, like sword almost drawn. Yeah. Hold me back. Like not happy about this decision at all. And I mean, it also 
I mean, how terrifying to think of all of these men who can channel together in one place. Right. For people who have been taught for thousands of years that these guys are destructive right. and they are super bad. And like normally like, we would just kill them, but now they're starting right. an army. <laughs> yeah. So it's really just like it was really ballsy of Rand to do that. I think it was necessary for yeah. him to do that. Like as we see through the rest of the series, his decision to pull these men together like really saves the day in the long run. Like they needed that force. And I mean, mm -hmm. and they show up in so many great ways. Yeah. Like the, the Asha man at Dumai's Wells, like, woo, there yeah. are just so many really, and that one battle up like wherever it is where Rand's hanging out and like they get this huge trollic attack and like he starts like making these crazy weaves that are just going through the trollocs and killing them and then the rest of the Asha man pick it up that are strong enough to do it too. Yeah. And you're just like, Yeah, guys, get it. Such, oh, it's yeah. so exciting. I think too, yeah, throughout the book, some of the most climatic moments mm -hmm. are because of the men that can channel. And yeah. it's it's one of those things that was it wasn't necessarily missing, but it added a new dynamic of like, holy shit, because we mm -hmm. we get the battle at Emmons Field. And that was kind of just like this tear jerking, like emotional, crazy battle mm -hmm. that it had this more like medieval feel to it. But then when we get oh, into yeah. these battles with the Asha men, it's just mm -hmm. like this is a whole different level of. Uh, bloodshed that it's yeah. just it's entirely different mm -hmm. yep and the risks feel different too yeah like you don't have people who have to stand in between lines of spikes to keep back the trollocs you can just have asha men rolling out these like massive weapons to yeah. take down swaths of trollocs so it feels i mean not to say that it's not risky and to but... the re the reception mm. of it i mean even after dumai's wells perrin is like devastated at what he just saw and yep. we know that perrin is more of one of the emotional characters who mm -hmm. you know he he's someone that would be maybe affected by it more but after what he had just witnessed, he's just at a loss for words. And yeah. it was so the brutality of what he just witnessed was unlike anything that he's ever seen. What mm -hmm. unlike anything I've ever read. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. So before the Black Tower is built, we should probably mention where do the male channelers go and what they were facing before that time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, I I this was I loved this question. Like, so where do all of the male channelers go? Where and do like all the male channelers <laughs> go? <laughs> what is it? The cowboys go? Is that the song? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sorry well, whatever for breaking you're doing, out I love song. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry. Um, my very first thought was into hiding. Like if I knew that that was something that I could do, I would get as far away from everyone that I well, knew. Yeah, when he's um, trying to go out and uh, find these male channelers, 
you know, it, it kind of starts out really slow because, of course, mm-hmm. no one's excited to be like, ooh, me, you know. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> death and certain madness. Yes. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> but you have people, too, where they think like, well, I always thought maybe maybe I had the inclination mm-hmm. and I'm not really sure. But up until that point, they had just been hiding. And I mean, what what else would you do? Like all of the consequences are just so dire. What else would you do? Yeah, you hide mm-hmm. until and you can't any longer. Yeah. And I know like we had mentioned this earlier, but the books also mention that especially like at the early point where uh, the male channelers were breaking the world around them, they took refuge basically from themselves in these ogre groves because you can't channel in an ogre grove, neither men or women. You can feel the source, but you cannot access the source. And so they kind of hope that like by staying there, they would maybe stave off the madness and also keep themselves from causing further mm-hmm. destruction, but they just weren't able to stay there. Yeah. Like that draw, like you said earlier, it's like a drug. Mm-hmm. And so that draw to be able to channel again, just pulled them out. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to compare it to like an addiction or something, mm-hmm. but that's almost the closest connection I can make to it yeah one of the examples from within the books is when Rand and Cad Swain and Nynaeve and their little posse leave Farmatting and Farmatting was built on this ogier uh former ogier grove so Mm -hmm. they're they can't no one can channel within the city which is yeah crazy one of one of the weirdest chapters I think of the books but um as they are leaving Farmatting, as soon as they get outside the city, the first thing that every single one of them do is draw in the power, like immediately mm-hmm. as hard as they can. And they're all, they're checking to see like if they've made it out or not. And for yeah. that to be the very first thing that they can think of mm-hmm. really shows how needed it is how much they need to feel it to be Mm -hmm. to I guess feel like themselves so it's almost like you know like I gotta get I need another hit of that power you know (laughs) I need my fix yeah my fix yeah and it's it's kind of interesting that if you would think about trying to put yourself in an ogier grove to keep yourself from being sane, how long do you think you would last? Our characters are in formatting for what, a week maybe? And that was, I mean, they were all dying to just get out of there and Mm -hmm. feel the power again. Yeah. Upon the source. And they didn't even like, they didn't even have this dire consequence of, ruining the world around them the moment they were out of that area you know so like it wasn't like these men who were hiding in these groves who were trying to be protective they still got pulled out because of that need to touch the power and the inability and how it pulled away from them and they knew their consequences of going back out and they still couldn't resist it yeah it says a lot it says a lot i think so yeah um And this, like, um, the other thing that I think 
would be on the table. I don't know how else to phrase it. Would be to like take your own life. I mean, it's a a terrible thought. It's you know, but mm-hmm. like you said, there's always that idea that you could wake up one day, waking up to seeing you know your neighbor's house destroyed with like a little mm-hmm. kid inside. So what yeah. do you do at that point? It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is really what these men have to deal with. And it's, you know, it's so it's so saddening, but it's really heartbreaking. But it's uh, what it's it's not. And that's not even the worst thing. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the other nationalities do something much worse. And mm-hmm. this is uh, like the Sharans. Mm hmm. This is, yeah. Is this the I I aid as well? Is this the same thing? Okay. Mm-hmm. This shit is so fucked up. It's so fucked up. I didn't even know this was a thing until I found this on the wiki yeah. page. And I was like, what the fuck is that? So, yeah. Don't they like... So, this is more... They pretty much... Um. I don't have the I don't have the wiki open, but I think I just they put, opened it. Don't they put them in like a monastery type place and then just use them as like a breeding program? Yeah. Yeah. So like the women. So the I is that I'm going to say the I add because that's what it looks like yeah. to me. But they are the people of Shara who can channel the one power and they live separately from other people who live in Shara. So they're. I mean, I guess in some way it would kind of be like the Aes Sedai living separately from people in Tarvalon. So they have like a different kind of classification around them is how I see it. But then they get tattooed. But these these men are not killed immediately. And instead, they serve as breeding stock for female Ayad. And like they aren't allowed to learn how to read or write. They are just responsible for kind of responding to the needs of the females around them who have a desire to breed. And they're kind of picked out the same way you would do like breeding stock for an animal. And so it's just, it's really degrading. It definitely, like, I don't even think they give them names. And when they take them to the place where they're going to serve as breeding stock, they get like a bag put over their head and then they don't even get to see where they're going. But I think I think what it is is like if they at the first sign of channeling of these men, they are taken away from the place where they are in the same way that they would have if they were being taken for breeding and instead they're killed and cremated. And like, boop, that's your whole life. That's your whole life. So that's women putting men into a place where we have frequently throughout history in so many ways seen men treat women. It's almost it's like just, um, the Margaret Atwood novel Only Flipped. Um, oh, yeah. What's the? Yeah. Uh, the Handmaid's the Tale. The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like flipped. <laughs> yeah. That. That book and that show. Oh, my God. I won't get distracted, but it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. It's so painful, but it's so good. But, yeah, like, this is one of those things about, like, the whole gender situation where it's another one of those flipped. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just another example that 
an unfortunate side effect of human nature is we can just be incredibly cruel and it doesn't matter if we're men or women. And the reverse is true. We can be incredibly kind and incredibly generous, but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily align with our genders or right. Those actions don't get defined, don't have to be defined by our by our gender. Mm-hmm. But I just like I had no idea. Like I knew about the the Sharans. I knew they were a thing and like the role that they play towards the end of the series. But like this part. Yeah. That was a well, whole this, new thing I think thing is something that you have to actually look up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not something that's in the books right in front of your face to read. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this. This is something that I probably wouldn't have looked up unless mm-hmm. we were doing this episode. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a nice find, even though it's disgusting. <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, I agree with that entirely. Can That's I unlearn I this? <laughs> can I unknow this, please? Or maybe just share it so everyone has to yeah. join me in this uncomfortable place. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> so. You're welcome, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, okay, so... The Sharans do things one way. The Aiel have a somewhat interesting approach. Basically, any men that is able to channel uh-huh. says, you know, they kind of like pack up a little bag and they leave and they are off to fight Sight Blinder in the Blight. In the Blight. Yeah. And when I first read this... Um, I thought that it was purely just a code phrase for committing suicide Mm. where, I mean, I know in some cultures it's still, it still happens to this day, older generations, when they get to a certain age, they don't want to be a burden on their family or society. So they like go out to the woods to go hunting one day and then just never Mm -hmm. come back or something like this. And Mm -hmm. I think, that's what I thought with the Aiel. I thought it was just totally like a code phrase to where they were like off to go kill themselves somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, then towards the end of the books, all of these male channelers show back up and mm-hmm. holy shit, I was not emotionally prepared for this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was terrifying but mm-hmm. the red-veiled Aiel have basically mm-hmm. been scooped up by the, you know, dark friends and mm-hmm. um, turned to... I'm assuming this is... It's the same as how, like, with the 13 Merdral, where they can change you over to the dark one like a puppet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I think all their eyes are black and then they have filed their teeth into these sharp points ooh. and then they wear these red veils and ooh, I mean. Okay, but wait, what is the point of filing your teeth if you're then going to wear a veil? <laughs> Tracy, I don't know. That's hilarious. I mean, That's because hilarious. that would be fucking terrifying if, like, maybe you it's were in maybe it's so they can smile before they veil, you know, <laughs> to make that because when they veil, you know, that's a sign for you're gonna that's die. Gonna so maybe okay. they just want to make it like double the scary. They just want to make sure that they look in, like as intimidating as fuck before they veil too. Yeah, like, but now you just know you're going to die with the veil up. Okay. I, I was just like, why? But that's why, hilarious. Why? <laughs> <laughs> An absolutely, I mean, like, a very good question. 
how much would that mm-hmm. like so uncomfortable mm-hmm. like i can't even imagine like i'm thinking about like getting a tooth drilled for filling can you imagine like, accidentally like biting like... your lip oh this is a bad idea guys skip the teeth filing yeah unnecessary unnecessary <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. And then the Shan Chen, basically, you get murdered. Yeah. Um, the tu- so they, like, behead you. Yeah. The Tuath, yeah. Uh, the Sea Folk, um, we'll do the Tuathan last, but the Sea Folk mm-hmm. either commit suicide. Don't they have them, like, walk the plank? You know? Yeah, and I think, like, they hold something heavy yeah. to make sure that they don't come back up. Or they have the option of being dropped off on an island with mm-hmm. other male channelers to like mm-hmm. just live out the rest of your life on this um island. Yeah. And that is considered the shameful option. Mm-hmm. And then the Tuathan are Tinkers. Do you ever feel like Tinkers is almost like the not preferred way do, do you think the tinkers are offended when people call them tinkers yes okay i do okay i do i mean it's a i mean it's kind of a cute name and everything but there's just this <laughs> derogatory feel right? about it right yeah okay. because like most people are like oh my gosh the traveling people they're gonna like fix our pots but steal our children <laughs> so <laughs> okay <laughs> i just feel like calling them tinkers feels kind of mean Maybe it's just me. Okay. The Tuathan, this is like, this. I feel like we've stumbled upon this big mystery right here. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. as far as I know, it is never answered in the books. Where mm-hmm. do the Tuathan send their male channelers? Or where mm-hmm. do the male channelers go? And if you're a staunch pacifist right, that doesn't believe in any fighting or hurting... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you find out that you can channel? Mm-hmm. And what do you do? I mean, you. what do you do if you're the Tuathan and you find a man that can channel? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, especially for a group of people who live so communally. Right. Because like the, the person, like all of them are going to kind of have the same reaction to this. Like what is best for the group? Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I kind of, I, <laughs> I kind of have to wonder if maybe they have like a night of feasting and dancing and being together, and then like you sip a tea with some sort of poison in it and fall asleep, and they bury you. Like that. See, but that but seems... are they allowed to? If they're well, passive, not violent. True, but is it you know? one of the thing like to never kill? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I always, I guess, I always thought that it was like tied to violent acts, not necessarily like. True, that makes that's a good point. Because I mean, they have that whole like a leaf falls in its own time, blah 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 mm-hmm. philosophy. But I mean, sometimes something's just bad, and you have to cut it out for the good of. Mm-hmm everything else or just like walking off a cliff one day like not telling anyone i mean going off into the woods on your own and just like making the best of it that you can like that's true maybe they leave (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
My, I just, I really, I really don't know. And I didn't, I didn't think it would be like this mystery that nobody really knew about. So I thought that was kind of fun. Well, I put something on Twitter the other day and mm-hmm. it, it seems like everybody else was stumped. So <laughs> I mean, but if anyone knows, yeah, tell us, I kind of feel like with the women, you know, they have that big feast and then they, um, make whatever in whatever direction they're going they go off towards the white tower and the mm-hmm. women just kind of get dropped off there mm-hmm. but I I mean I I feel like maybe they would do the same for the men just to be gentle mm. because like just to hand them over yeah because then mm. they're not they're not committing any act of violence right. themselves interesting i don't know or if you're a male ch- i bet though i bet though if you are a male channeler within the tuathon and you have an idea that you might have this ability mm-hmm. maybe you wander off yeah to make the decision for yourself yeah i mean that seems that seems like the most in line with their way of of living mm-hmm. hmm. yeah anyways That's sad I mean, all of the outcomes are just sad. And yeah. it's one of the things like, perhaps there should be a little bit more sympathy for these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I I understand people's fear, I think. But at the same time, there's just, there's fear and not sympathy. And I mean, and there's fear a is fear, a huge like motivator. The, the fear is like the stigma mm-hmm. of it. If it was, and this is so like back again towards this idea of like mental health, like people are afraid to talk about it because it's mm-hmm. shameful or scary. But if someone's just like, hey, we're going to talk about this now, <laughs> you know, like maybe it wouldn't be as bad. Yeah, I don't know. I really or don't. If some, you know, or if someone's like, I'm afraid I'm going to kill people, you know, accidentally. Mm-hmm. If they had someone to talk about it with, maybe yep. that would help the situation a little bit more yeah but they definitely they definitely had a hard life and up until the black tower there these were the options so yeah yeah not a lot of great options mm-hmm. here nope and I mean above all I think the the remaining hidden is kind of what the black tower broke and I mean it, it certainly didn't hurt that someone who had been a false dragon like an infamous false dragon like mm-hmm. Taim is leading the Black Tower. So I feel as though like that's kind of a draw for men to come to. But I just don't like I don't know what would convince. I don't know. Maybe hope in some ways that if you learn yeah. to channel, you learn to control this torrent I, of power. The draw of community mm, is so great. I mean, good point. You're, you're an outcast and you mm-hmm. have to hide in plain sight and pretend to be something that you are not. So mm-hmm. being around others like you would be a huge draw. Yeah. And they could and some of, they could bring their families if they wanted. Yeah. So there yeah. was even that was even the way that they set that up is so much better than how they have things at the White Tower. Yep. I mm-hmm. mean, like they kept they kept their families close if they could. You uh, could be any age. There mm-hmm. wasn't an age restriction. Nope. And it, it was really interesting too because like when that when that call to gather comes out, like one of the one of the guys who shows up has like gray or white hair. Like he's yeah. old. And yeah. he can channel. But Is it Jory or 
I, I really, I always get like the Ashaman kind of yeah. confused. <laughs> and the names are so wacky sometimes. Too. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, but I mean, like he had not gone insane. He could channel and mm -hmm. he was an old man. But what would the chances have been for other men to reach that point too? So it's just, it's just really interesting how the Black Tower approaches things differently than the White Tower. And then they have them like do all of their chores and stuff so they can like push their abilities super fast so they can grow in the strength of the power. So, and even yeah. that's something that the White Tower doesn't encourage like... If you're going to do chores, you're going to be on your hands and knees exactly. scrubbing floors. Exactly. Yeah. You will not be encouraged to use the power for anything other than your lessons. And I think that the the Black Tower does kind of the opposite where it's like use the power, use the power, use the power as you much will as live. you possibly yeah. can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I like that idea of like community building and like what they're what they're given. But at the same mm -hmm. time, like they're basically walking to their death by becoming openly yeah. attached to the black tower and to as much of a good thing that the black tower was it did set up problems for some men that had families where mm -hmm. his wife would be like no you you're not going there you're not doing this and mm -hmm. he's like I have to like you don't understand mm -hmm. and it's it's tragic but it really was one of the better options definitely I think so and then like not only giving men who could channel a place to gather, Rand was like, he wanted to cleanse Sadine. He saw a way to be able to do it. And he was like, I'm doing before, this. Yeah. Before we get into the cleansing Ooh, of Sadine, yeah. I did just want to say one thing though. Sure. Because this is the wheel of time and there always has to be that yin and yang. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is as much as the safe haven that the Black Tower was, mm -hmm. I do think it's important to say that it wasn't perfect. That's because true. <laughs> Rand, it was a good idea, but he did abandon them and mm -hmm. he wasn't checking in to see what was actually going on there. Yep. And there was a lot of corruption because of Mazram Taim. Yep. So these men are basically abandoned, left to be executed by Taim mm -hmm. once they got to a point within a certain point of madness, I guess, where they would just poison you. Yeah. And this life was extremely dangerous, mm -hmm. but in a world where, you know, you are unaccepted everywhere else, it's the best, I guess, alternative. So yeah, yeah, because I mean, it's you're better right. than the better than the Red Aja, better than being a social outcast mm -hmm. or killed. But this was a very very hard life. This yeah. wasn't just yay, you know. We're we are in our own little club now. Like this was extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. They were trained in an extremely grueling and unsafe way, where a lot of the times men got mortally wounded mm -hmm. just trying to learn how to do different weaves and they were pushed to the extreme to where it brought on the madness quicker mm -hmm. than otherwise so yeah. yeah no that's a really good point and I think like there's a there's a moment like I don't like yeah, it's not I don't, all it's the same yeah. as the white tower like yeah. it sounds like it could be good and then you get into it and it's like what the fuck is going on here 
So yeah, behind the curtains, the Black Tower had a lot of corruption mm-hmm. and fucked up things happening. <laughs> and factions inside it, which is another thing that we see in the White Tower. Like both of oh, them yeah. like parallel that and like having dark and light characters to work off of each other. Well, um, any in any area within the Wheel of Time that there is power, mm-hmm. it is infiltrated. Oh, by yeah. dark friends. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a given. It's a given. 100%. You just like always be on the lookout for dark friends. Yeah. Everywhere. They, yeah. They're within the royalty. They're mm-hmm. within the nobility. They're in with, you know, the, the White Tower, the Black Tower, and other places that you might not expect them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. They're under, under every rock. There is a dark friend. <laughs> <laughs> You just can't get comfortable anywhere. It's always dangerous. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like sometimes. So, yeah, the cleansing yeah. is the next uh, big redemption yep. point. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what book this happens in. Do you remember? Yeah, it's, um, let me see is it here, Winter's, Winter's Heart? Heart. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the next big moment is the cleansing of Sidene and basically the most... Uh, the strongest male channeler, Rand, and the, mm-hmm. one of the most strongest female channelers, Nynaeve, they get together and take on this incredibly dangerous task of yep. cleansing Sidene. It's, I mean, it's almost like, ugh. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I would have gone into it with way more trepidation than either of them but it's like we know Nynaeve how she is Mm -hmm. she does not half ass anything Mm -mm. nope (laughs) so they use the Choden call which is a Terangrial that has a male counterpart and a female counterpart yeah they're they're access keys right isn't that what they're called Mm -hmm. yeah they're two little Terangrial that connect to two other structures Mm -hmm. And then they kind of like draw the source from these other structures and they access it through these access keys. It's kind of convoluted and very um, weird. <laughs> but one of the things that I love about the Choden call is Rand's first encounter with it when he sees it. like Uncovers it. They're uncovering it and he's standing at the edge of it and he like shouts whatever it is that the Aeels say when they're going into battle and like the people he wasn't he with like he was with Hurin <laughs> aren't the people just like whatever weirdo yeah yeah and I think I because I'm fairly certain that Loyal is with him at the time and he's like having this moment where he's like I fucking knew you were an Aeel liar <laughs> But, like, Rand doesn't know. Like, he doesn't know what's mm-hmm. happening to him. He doesn't know what he's channeling through. And then to come back to that, like, eight books later and have him use it to cleanse mm-hmm. the male half of the one power is just, like, whoa. Like, that's how I felt yeah. about it anyway. I was just, like, and part of me was, like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it going to be okay? Is it not going to be okay? Is everyone going to survive? What's happening? Like, and I love how they were prepared for it. Like, how they had, like the various men and women channelers like around the hilltop where Nynaeve and Rand are sitting to like protect them because of course they are just well, pulling. Go ahead. Well, sorry. The, I'm well, all excited thing, about this moment. Yeah. No, the <laughs> thing that's so cool is because like we're talking about these Terangrial, the amount of 
power and energy that they are drawing in and channeling literally creates a like, it's like a three mile or a three, like a three mile wide hole into the ground, Uh like a crater. Mm -hmm. And from pretty much everywhere in the world, anyone that can channel can see this giant fucking um like beam of Mm -hmm. like energy Mm -hmm. just exploding Mm -hmm. and I like how you were saying like this is just crazy we get all of these points of views Mm -hmm. from all of these different characters within the books where they just they'll be like mid-sentence talking to someone Mm -hmm. and then they're just staring into space like a fucking zombie and everyone's like what are they looking at hello like what is going on and like you said, they had the they had things set up with their little group. Everyone kind of like circled mm-hmm. and they're all on the lookout for people coming in because of all of the energy that they've created. Like yep. every dark friend within a, you know, radius of the entire world <laughs> just teleports there because they, you know. That's that's exactly the right radius, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you like that radius from the. Ra- I was gonna say like really far away, but it's no, no. it's just from anywhere. Yeah, at all. It, doesn't it pull like every surviving Forsaken to the hilltop yeah. where Rand and Nynaeve? Yeah, are? yeah. So like they all even Agonor's old ass shows up, <laughs> he, and he's like the whole time he's like. Oh, my back hurts. I'm not, I can't run very fast anymore. <laughs> like, you old creep. That's awesome. But yeah. So, I mean, this incredible feat is done. And yep. from up till this point, the madness gets staved off. So, mm-hmm. all of these men that are currently experiencing any signs of it, you know, it doesn't get any better. But it kind of puts a pin in it so no one yeah. gets any worse. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, I mean, of course, one of Rand's big hopes was that if he cleansed the taint, he would also remove the madness that he himself was, himself. was experiencing. Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, it's it's not an entirely selfish reason. No. He's got a big job that he has to do and he can't yeah. do it if he can't. You know, if he can't control himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he definitely has this fear that's like pushing him. And I also love the location that he chose because it's at Shadar Lagoth, which of course has like this history through (laughs) the whole. There are so many things that happen there. Yeah. How they're talking about how like the the filth, like the the sheen of Mm -hmm. um, the taint is just like you can see it almost sliding off this energy that they're channeling mm-hmm. into Shadar Logoth. And it's just, oh, my God. It's, I mean, this part in the book, this is just crazy because mm-hmm. it, it, this is how we end the book. Mm-hmm. And, you're, you know, you're closing it and you're just, like, begging for more. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. I was. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, I was, I was thrilled that that moment happened because – I felt like it was needed. But of course, like with it being the series that it is, it very easily could have gone in the other direction where Rand tries and, you know, he doesn't have this glorious moment of 
giving something that everyone thought was impossible to yeah. these men who could channel. So, yeah, I I thought it was really well written. I loved all the POVs, especially from the Forsaken. I think my favorite yeah. one actually is I think her name is Elza. She's a she's an eye guy. Yeah. Yeah, but she's a black sister. She's and a as dark she's, friend. Yeah, as she's walking around the hilltop, she's like, Randall Thor must survive. And like she's she's one of the Aes Sedai who has sworn to him. And you're like, man, this one really is like and then you find out like she wants him kept alive because one of the Forsaken has been like, You need to keep him alive. And so like her determination, like seeing it and you're like, Oh man, fuck, I I should have like, known. Who- I should yeah. have known. Like, yeah. I should have always been on the lookout. I should have just assumed they're all Black Aja and be surprised when they are not instead. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's I how always I go wonder, into it. Yeah, I always wonder how, who, <laughs> when Rand is, like, told, like, who and who he can't trust. Mm-hmm. And before Moraine goes, she's like, do not trust anyone right Thor no one no one and that's like what she leaves in her letter to him mm-hmm. and you know it, she she wasn't joking right yeah because <laughs> everyone it feels like even even I don't know but you I had do- you had like a quote here from Winter's Heart yeah this is just it's it takes place immediately after the cleansing mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting because they say night fell on the hilltop, the wind blew dust across the fragments of what had once been a Terangrial. Below lay the tomb of Shadar Logoth, open to give the world hope. And on a distant Tramalking, the world began to spread that the time of illusions was at an end. So, curious, curious. Um, and of course, of course, another thing... <laughs> Within the wheel of time, for every action, there is a reaction. So we get mm-hmm. this incredible, amazing chapter where it leaves the reader so hopeful right. and excited. Mm-hmm. And then we find out what happened <laughs> on Tremalking. Right. And so I really even I really yeah. appreciated that they gave that to us like from the sea folk. And from their yeah. point of view, because of all of the people in the series who would have like a, a close relationship of some kind, it would be the sea folk. And so their reaction to it is just, it's gut-wrenching. It really is. It's a tremendous is, scene. When I read this, I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You can't just let us have a win? Like, you have to <laughs> you have to give us something amazing and then oh Robert Jordan. Just really just dip it in blood. Have like... you no heart? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when when they are cleansing Sidene, um the statue on Tremalking, the counterpart for the f- is it the female? It's the female one. The mm-hmm. female access key. Um, I don't know if it like melts or cracks. I don't remember. But it, it lights up. The globe okay. that she holds in her hand lights up. And I think that's the that's the indicator is that that's when that happens. The, okay. The time of illusions is at an end. Yeah. I think that's time of, what gives it right. up. I okay. don't remember yeah, because for sure. Yeah, it does illuminate. Mm-hmm. But that would make sense for the time of illusions mm-hmm. to be at an end. 
But so, yeah, all, all of these, <laughs> this entire island of pacifists and Tremel King commit mass suicide yep. after this happens. And it's just like, ugh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Yep. And then to like talk about it later and how like if there if there wasn't enough poison after the children had been given it, the parents were just like slitting their own throats. And you're like, well, yeah, OK, cool. Like that just you're sitting there watching your children die, thinking that it's the right thing to do, and then killing yourself on top of it. Like that just that's so culty. What kind of people so lived culty. on tree milking? <laughs> right. <laughs> that should be a topic. Well, why is it all of these I mean, why are why do all of these pacifist nations feel like they have like kind of a weird culty vibe? I mean, mm. the Tuathon even well, we know about their background, mm-hmm. but it just it's so funny that it became the split between the most like bloodthirsty <laughs> fighters versus, you know, these like kumbaya around a campfire. Um, but yeah, it's almost like every time we get these extreme pacifists, I mean, look at uh, what is his name? Um, the one that the one that tries to kill Perrin. Awesome. Is it oh, awesome? Aram. Aram. Mm-hmm. Aram. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, you're fine. Yeah. It's like <laughs> we always get a couple characters from these communities where it's like, oh, I don't know, buddy. <laughs> you know? It's a little rough. A little rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I just think for, I think as far as talking about redemption, the cleansing of Sidene is so important because this allowed things to all come back, you know, 360 towards mm-hmm. the Black Tower for male channelers as a whole. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like you said about inspiring hope. And even as a reader, you can feel it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you finish that chapter and it's a whole different, <laughs> it's a whole mm-hmm. different feeling. Yeah. The direction the books start to take mm-hmm. go a little bit differently. And we get to see some real, real interesting changes that Rand takes. Mm-hmm. But no, it things start to take a different direction. And it's all hopeful. And it's not perfect after mm-hmm. that. We get a lot of, you know, sad moments too. But For sure. But we definitely have at like, because I mean, in the end, the main redemption is making sure that the dark one stays imprisoned and that ultimate goal that we've been seeing from the very beginning of the series to the very end of the series is actually accomplished and so Mm -hmm. Rand finds his way kind of through his madness to accept his madness as a part of himself and gives up on the idea that he has to be this like Whatever the fuck it was he was trying to be. <laughs> like, I was always just like, I like I kind of understand it. I know you're not a Harry Potter person, but I always think of like in this moment, like Luna Lovegood being like, well, if I were the dark one, I'd want to make you feel as friendless as possible. And I mean, that was a really bad, but that's what it was. Um, and that's what it feels like it is for Rand. Like the dark, the dark one is pulling at him and making him feel as though nothing is safe. That he mm-hmm. is barely holding on, and then he comes back the way that he does, and is like, you know what? I'm feeling good. 
feeling ready. I'm going to go cry on my dad for a minute, and then we're going to take on the dark one. Let's go. Right? (laughs) Break. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone off we go. So I feel as though, like, we start... We start in a place with like utter destruction with Luz Theron, and then we end in a place of rebuilding and redemption and where male channelers can and will be, I would accept, I would expect accepted into society in a way that they aren't when everybody knows they're going to go mad and kill everyone. So good job, Rand, and everyone else who like did that and, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I think it has I think it says a lot too about the few like his little posse that follows him mm-hmm. to cleansing because this was ex- extremely dangerous mm-hmm. and his most like fervent supporters were there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And some that were pretending to be his most fervent supporters. Right. But crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. I loved so, it. So I think um, to end things, maybe mm-hmm. we could just talk about some of our favorite, you know, moments re- <laughs> that have to do with male channelers or redemption yes. or, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to do that. Okay. Yeah. Good. It feels kind of weird to have a moment like this be a moment that I would list under favorite moments. But it's t- <laughs> it still is. Well, maybe it's an important moment. So yeah, I mean, this is in Path of Daggers, and Rand has been attacked at the Sun Palace, and it's by Ashaman, and he sends men off with uh, Fedwin Moore, who is an Ashaman, and has like he was at Dumai's Wells, and he's. He's young, like it's kind of always yeah. pointed out that he's a he's a very young man, and I feel like I feel like this is one of those moments. In do the you ever book. feel like? Sorry, I'm so sorry to cut you off. It's but okay. Do you ever feel like when a character says like keeps focusing on like he was a very young man and it's mm-hmm. brought up more and more? It always makes me feel like Cad Swain when she's talking shit to Ran. Like it should be so <laughs> obvious that he is a little boy. Yeah, and everyone's like, "How dare she talk to him that way?" And it's like he's twelve. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Totally fine. But it does like it does to go from like lighthearted to not so lighthearted. Um, it does convey like the grave starkness, like the fine edge of life and death, sanity and madness that the male channelers face. And it also like just throws in your face how quickly and unexpectedly a man can just suddenly lose his mind because Mm. Rand runs through the palace seeking out the Asha man who were trying to kill him and he doesn't find them. But then he gets down to the lower level where he's told more to take men and she's got him playing with blocks and like trying to just keep his mind occupied because he suddenly has the mind of a small boy and the ability to tear down the palace around them basically like and he's just not safe so rand puts some herbs in a cup and holds and i think like the chapter is called a cup of sleep and like he holds fedwin and he gives him the drink and the poor young man dies and it's just that's heartbreaking it is it shows how no one's safe in this you know in this setting 
Yeah. And I mean, poor Min. Like, of course, she's going to be terrified in this situation. She is as aware of everyone else of what can happen when a male channeler loses his mind. And so she's basically gone from what could have been a life and death situation to another life and death situation. So it's just, I don't know. It just, it just hits me like that whole little, that little moment. And I mean, that moment for Rand had to have just like. And I think too, like men has such a soft heart, you she know, it really does. And you can tell how good she is with Rand and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. she she's always right there when he needs her most. And maybe sh- she knows more than when he does even. Yeah. That, you know, sh- maybe it's it's better that she be around for a certain thing. Just like when the, with the cleansing of sighting, like he just is thinking she shouldn't be here for this. I should have sent her away. Mm-hmm. And he's passed out on the ground after all of the exhaustion from all of this channeling. And she's just holding him like a baby, like curled up next to him kind of. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. Min has such a soft, like kind heart. And then mm-hmm. for her to be kind of taking care of this young man is just, eesh. Mm-hmm. It pulls at you. At least mm-hmm. it does for me. So for me, one of my favorite moments is probably from Loghain mm-hmm. where he's rescuing Elaine's army, mm-hmm. the miracle chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for all that had happened to Loghain, he probably should have turned to the Dark One. I mean, he, I think out of all of the characters in our book, could have easiestly like been a villain. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's tricked into proclaiming himself the Dragon Reborn by the Red Aja. He's paraded around in a cage, imprisoned, Mm -hmm. stilled, you know. And then afterwards, he is on the road with Swan Mm -hmm. and their escape party. And he's being treated like garbage by them the whole time. (laughs) Well, as as a man who's been gentled, he had basically been followed around inside the White Tower after he was gentled to make sure that he didn't take his own life. Because mm-hmm. like once you've been gentled or stilled, for many people, death is a thing that follows shortly after. Right. And so they were trying to keep Loghain from that ending. And so for a moment, it felt like he had like this brief burst of energy. Like he was like, yeah, I'm out on the yeah. run and I've got a purpose. Like and I'm out of like, here. Yeah, but then like... I mean, as things go on, yeah, they kind of just use him as like, hey, you piece of shit, tend to the horses, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're not and very then, nice to him. And then they even get themselves into trouble mm-hmm. and he saves the day. He could mm-hmm. have left their asses behind, but he yep. didn't. He didn't. So, I mean, he, he doesn't ditch them and he follows them even after all of this, he follows them to the little tower mm-hmm. and he's basically used as a test subject by Nynaeve, which well, is just heartbreaking to him of getting his hopes up, you yeah. know? Yeah. And at the same time, he's being presented to nobles around like the surrounding areas to tell his story of what happened with the Red Aja so that the little tower can start building credibility around why they split. So he's he's being being used used and abused. Yes. More and more using for poor Logan. It's really unfortunate. So, I mean, then 
like another a little high point against all odds he's miraculous miraculously healed by Nynaeve one of the best moments in the series I will so good I will never forget where I was in what room (laughs) in what day like everything that I did that day after I had read that okay but anyways (laughs) yeah so after all of that he then goes to the Black Tower, joins mm-hmm. the Ashaman. Yep. Ashaman, Ashaman. Uh, Those guys that can channel in the black yeah. coats. So once again, he's wronged in the fact where he's abandoned there by Rand. Yep. Left to the abuse of Mazarum Taim, imprisoned mm-hmm. again. Again. Escapes getting turned into a puppet by the Dreadlords. Mm-hmm. And instead of going on a murder spree, which is what I probably would have been planning, <laughs> he eventually... Rides off to save Elaine's army by leading the loyal Ashaman to fight by this, you know, for the side of the light. And at any point in time, he could have maybe should have said, fuck this. He doesn't. Yeah. So I think when we're talking about redemption, here's a guy who is almost incapable of corruption Mm -hmm. in any way. He even with the dreadlords trying to change him against his own will to the dark. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do it. So I don't know what it says about him that he is so, like, I guess, like, mentally present and mm-hmm. he has so much conviction that he couldn't even be changed against his own will like that. I mean, he has one of the most tragic stories in the series, but, I mean, he still persists when everyone else would have quit. Yeah, I think I think he is a bit of a contrarian. And so anything that happens, like... He almost has this fuck you and fuck the world kind of feeling yeah. about it. Yeah. And like he has a really strong moral compass that pulls him. But he also has like, like, I feel like he's got this spiteful side to him, which I totally Like I feel. will survive just mm-hmm. to spit in your face later. Yeah. Like I'm totally <laughs> one of those people where they're like, you just can't do that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, watch me. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> Yeah, so like I, I think that's one of the things that I really relate to, and I also, <laughs> I just love when he bonds the two Aes Sedai, and one of them starts sleeping with him, and like yeah. the discussion that she has with the other Aes Sedai who's red. Is he like, sleeping with both of them? No, or I is think it just it's the just one? the one. Okay. Because, and I can't remember who who he's bonded to in that section but I just always thought that was really fun and I'm like I bet that's how Logan relaxes like <laughs> just like I bet he like gets gonna to eat, the day I'm gonna sleep I'm gonna <laughs> go bang an ice that I yeah <laughs> well what's the that beginning um I can't remember uh, what book it is or the chapter for that much but when he actually like what is it called like the kiss of something or whatever? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It makes the bonding easier or something. Like yeah. he's even he's even like my apologies, but it just seems to work better this way. And you're like, <laughs> what? You're missing consent on like multiple levels here, friends. Yes, this does right? not feel right. <laughs> right. And that's the thing that's so weird because he's not, you know, he's not a flawless person he's not oh, a, a no. flawless character by any means he can be completely awful mm. but it's so funny though because you would think he would have some tendency to flip and I was really expecting that at some point after he mm-hmm. keeps trying to go back to Rand to be like you don't understand what's going on at the Black Tower yeah and Rand's just like deal with it you know 
And I, I mean, I fully expected Loghain to flip sides at mm-hmm. one point, but instead it's Taim who's, I mean, we all knew Taim was a he, piece of shit. Yeah. I, when he first showed up, I was like, this guy's a dark friend. This guy is awful. This guy is going to ruin everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he did. And he did. But what I was starting to worry for Loghain, maybe thinking he would do the same. And I thought that might have been what would be what gets ran to change. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought maybe if Loghain, like, flipped, then he would be like, oh, okay, now something. I guess I'll go deal with this, you know, Black Tower issue. Yeah. But the Black t- the Black, another okay, and if we're talking about redemption, the Black <laughs> Tower saved itself. Mm-hmm. Rand had no part of it, so. Mm-hmm. I think it's good that that happened. Like, mm-hmm. In so many ways, I feel like the Black Tower being able to do that says that they are not just, like, the playthings of the Dragon Reborn, that they are creating their own structure and society and community, mm-hmm. like you said, and they're they're doing it in the way that they feel they should be doing it, not in a way that Rand has fully dictated and overseen, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But unless there is anything that you wanted to add to Loghain or not Loghain. There's there's just I just read it I think yesterday or last night or some maybe it was like during my sleepless night at some point. Um Nynaeve healing for the first time in Ashaman's madness. That is a good moment. And how it's described how they're like thorns in his brain and she goes and she like peels each one individually up and like holds it in place like it just gives you this moment of god Nynaeve is is such a badass right I was just gonna say is there anything Nynaeve cannot do no Nynaeve she's perfect so much love for her chef's kiss (laughs) you are perfection in a feisty braid pulling package and I love it um, well, yeah, she does. She definitely doesn't start out as my favorite by no, any means. No, but by the time you get, to, she is one of the best characters for growth in yeah. the series. I think like she stays really true to the core of who she is, and like I love, love, love where she's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wear this dress because you know, <laughs> why not? Like no more stout two river, two rivers woolens for you, Nynaeve. <laughs> Dang, girl. I, I've grown. <laughs> that I love that. I mean, I know. Well, that's I like, like how she starts. Silly, but. Yeah, after she um, marries Lan, she starts changing the way that she dresses. And she yeah. likes to wear green because Lan likes green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so fun. Anyway, I, I really like that part because, again, there's something about. And like one of the other points that I was I had wanted to talk about was just like the cleansing of Sadine gives the men hope. Like the Ashaman hope to live, mm-hmm. and how that changes their pursuit and their passion towards what they choose to do and take on. And Nynaeve is the same way. They now yeah. have the cleansing, and they now have a woman who's figured out how to heal their madness. So the Ashaman are going to go into battle with the greatest tool they can possibly give in, which is the hope of surviving and saving a world to come back to. Yes. And I That's love that. That's a really that. great point. Thank you. Yeah, they do. They they get some redemption in that avenue mm-hmm. as well. It's yeah. a really good point. 
Yep. And I mean, Nynaeve's ability to heal the madness in them will also make it so that, you know, eventually people will start accepting the Ashaman or even men that can channel who don't become Ashaman. But like, yeah, they give they give them like a clear path to a place in the world when and if they succeed the last battle. And mm-hmm. you just you just can't top like the adrenaline rush of I am going to survive this. Like right. everyone thought this was the end for me and it is not and I'm going to make it over this. And so I think the idea of hope throughout the series is there. There's always the well, highs with the lows. Yeah, that's that's I I think that's a really good point. And that's, you know, that's why they're I think that's why a lot of them chose to fight for Rand because mm-hmm. there was there was that hope. And yeah, maybe some of them thought, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go like die trying. Yeah. Yeah. At least for a cause like they had a cause, but mm-hmm. like a cause without an outcome where you are alive probably feels a little empty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it feels like you're you're a piece of machinery in a way, I would think like and I feel Nine, like Nynaeve is the creator. I've decided <laughs> She is perfect. She's the opposite of Rand. She's the female creator half of Rand. That's what it mm-hmm. is. Like, she's, yeah. she's the center focus for, like, pulling all that shit together. Good job, Nynaeve. <laughs> Love her. Good job. Yeah. I don't think I have anything other than that that I wanted to say, though. Like, Okay. I'm going to read the wrap up. Let's so. play up. Do it. First off, thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us, send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a Discord channel. Just find us on any of our social media platforms and we can send you an invite. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalon.